thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, good morning, welcome. Uh, No real major notices today other than to say that we're going to start a prayer time this evening at 7 o'clock on Zoom. It is just prayer, so if you want to pray, then uh, contact us via Messenger or WhatsApp and ask for the Zoom code. Um, But yeah, please come and join if you want to pray. Uh, That might be something that grows over the coming weeks, but it'll just be for 40 minutes or so, um, because I know how screens can be a, a, a distraction and also not easy. But let's come together to pray, if you can, this evening at seven o'clock on Zoom. Um, we continue our series today. Oh, before I do that, actually, happy birthday, Naomi Chad. I didn't sing to you because I wasn't asked to, but uh, if you want to do it by the, around your piano with Simon, that'd be fine. But happy birthday, Naomi, today. 21, apparently. That's the way it is, and thank you for all that you do for us as church. Anyway, it's fair game because it's on Facebook, so I'm allowed to say it. So we continue our series today, uh, and today we're looking at takeaway. Last week we looked at addition, and we said don't add worries to life, because actually adding worries just adds more worries. And actually, what do we need to add? Today we're going to look at takeaway. It's also known as minus or subtraction, but I prefer takeaway. You can probably tell that by looking at me, and Tim Hoffins nodding, he prefers takeaway, definitely. Um, did somebody say just eat, maybe? Okay, takeaway can be quite negative. It can be quite a negative word, word, can't it? Think of children, or even adults. We don't want to have something taken away from us. It, sometimes it can even cause us to get upset, From being a baby, we can throw a tantrum about things that are taken off us and throw our toys out of the pram. So takeaway can be negative. It can be a negative thing, but also it can be a positive thing. Saturday night takeaway. It's always nice not to have to cook. It's always nice to be able to get some food that's good, but it's disappointing if it's not a good takeaway. Or when the bin men take away the rubbish, that's a good thing, isn't it? When they take away the rubbish, otherwise it stacks up in the back streets. And so a takeaway is a positive thing. It's the opposite of last week's edition. It's the opposite. And actually, we could have looked at lots of different verses for both of these mathematical symbols. Don't worry, I'm not going to go loads of maths on you. But takeaway in addition, we could have used the verse, couldn't we? He must increase and I must decrease. The first will be last and the last will be first is about position and where you're taking away your position. But today, we're going to look at three passages. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at a command, a warning, and a promise that involve takeaway. Three passages which feature takeaways or subtraction. And it's nothing to do with what people are allowed to eat. We're going to start off in the Old Testament, just two verses in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 1 to 2. It says this in the NIV. Now, Israel, 
Hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Impressive promises there. Do this so that you'll live and take possession of the promise. Do we want today to live in freedom? Do we want today to take possession of all that God promises us? Well, Deuteronomy 4 says, if we do this, then we will. Do not add to what I command, but don't subtract from it either. How many of us try and bend the rules? How many of us look for a loophole in something and get around it? You know, Jake Salter's putting his hand up for those who are watching at home. We always try and take advantage of little loopholes in the law. We try and twist things so we can get away. It's not so much take away, but we like to get away with it, don't we? We like to get away. There was actually a solicitor who became known as Mr. Loophole. That is his name. If you look on Wikipedia, this man became known as Mr. Loophole, a guy from Manchester. Why was he known as Mr. Loophole? Because he was incredibly adept or skillful at getting celebrities in particular off speeding tickets and speeding fines. He found little gaps in the law that enabled him to get away with it or enabled his clients to get away with it. One example that I read, and I'm sorry to be graphic this morning, was Sir Alex Ferguson. That he was a great football manager. As a Liverpool fan, I can hold my hands up and say he was a great football manager. But this story doesn't paint him in a very good light because one time he was speeding down the hard shoulder of the M6 motorway. And he was caught and stopped by the police. And Mr. Loophole was contacted, the solicitor. And actually, he got off his speeding fine because it was argued he was having severe gastric problems. And it was safer for him to speed to get to the services rather than risk driving with an explosion in his seat. The loophole was, there was a problem. Let him off. Let him off because actually there was mitigating circumstances. Alex Ferguson was let off because of gastric problems. David Beckham twice used Mr. Loophole. Once because he argued the ticket arrived too late in the post so he should be forgiven. That was the loophole, and he got off his speeding fine. And another was misuse of a speed gun, that the policeman wasn't using the speed gun correctly or in the right place. Another was Sarah Harding from Girls Aloud, and her loophole in the law to get her off the fine, to get her forgiven and wiped clean from the slate, was because she was too famous to take the bus. And that was why she got off her fine. We would rather get away with it. Some of you are hearing those excuses and thinking, that's a bit rich. I've been done for speeding. Some people this, this, this month or, or the last few months have been on speed awareness courses. I find it quite ironic that they're currently running speed awareness courses on Zoom. But anyway, there you go. But it's quite ironic that they would run a speed awareness course on a, on a platform called Zoom. But today, let me ask you, would you rather get away with it than be obedient? to the rules, to the laws. Here in Deuteronomy, the command is to be obedient to the commands of God 
and don't take anything away from what God asks. Don't subtract anything from what God asks us to do. Here particularly, it's talking about the Ten Commandments. They were the standard. They were the, they were the, the standard. Jesus actually boiled the, the Ten Commandments down to two. And actually, you might say, well, he was taking away. No, he wasn't. Because if you follow those two, you follow the rest. So let's make it simple this morning. I'll give you the two that Jesus said were important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. And love your neighbour as yourself. Your neighbour might be your enemy. Your neighbour is anybody other than you. Love God with everything. Love others the same. If you do those things then you'll keep all the others. Jesus wasn't taking away from the law because actually, think about it. He was saying if we follow those two, then we won't break any of the others. If we love God with all our heart, we won't worship other idols. We won't put something else in his place. If we love God with all our heart, we will rest in his presence and take a day to remember him. If we love God with all our heart, then we will put him first. What about loving others? If we love others then we're not going to steal from them. We're not going to lie to them. And we're certainly not going to murder them, I would hope. So if we keep those two, then we keep the rest. Sadly, we want to get away with what we can. And we want to bend the rules. Many of you might say, well, I've asked God if this is okay, or I'm not sure whether this is okay with God. Read the truth. Look at, those, look at the law in the first place. If you do it, does it mean you're loving God with all your heart? And does it mean you're loving your neighbour as you would love yourself? That's a simple rule to follow. Do not take away from it. There was a very famous version of the Bible published in 1631. And it became known as the Wicked Bible. And it wasn't like youth speak. It wasn't like, that Bible's well wicked. Okay, now people are cringing. But uh, it wasn't the Wicked Bible like, wicked. Okay, it was the Wicked Bible. It became known as the Wicked Bible because it contained one mistake. It contained one simple error. Anyone know what it is? It removed one word. There was one word missing, totally by accident as it was printed. And it actually happened to be in the Ten Commandments. And instead of saying, do not commit adultery, it said, do commit adultery. So can you see when we take something away, it leads to all sorts of problems. It leads to all sorts of misunderstandings. Do not take away from what God is asking us to do, to love him and to love others. If it takes away from that, then then it's not of God. Let's not take away from those things. Taking away that one word from the Bible changed what God wanted. Sometimes we can try and bend the rules. God calls you and me to be obedient. But so often we want to take that word away and ignore it. We don't like the word obedient, do we? It sounds like maybe a naughty child, or it sounds like maybe an employee, or it sounds like maybe you're a servant to be obedient. Maybe it makes us feel uncomfortable. Maybe obedience sounds like hard work. But Jesus was obedient to death for you and for me. Jesus obeyed. Why did he obey? He obeyed because he loves you. He obeys because he loves me. Obedience comes from a heart of love. Obedience to what God asks comes from a place of total and utter and complete love. It's not a negative. It's not a drudgery. It's not a problem. Yes, Jesus suffered for it. 
But he did it because of love. He was obedient to death on a cross. He did what he had to do in order for me and you to be free and in order for me and you to be alive. So this morning, we cannot take away the commands of God. We cannot take away those commands. Look at that list of 10 commandments once again and say, actually, God, the first three or four are the most important. And if I follow those alone, then I won't, I won't break the others anyway. Because actually, loving God first and putting God at the top of everything we do will stop us from hurting one another, will stop us from hurting anyone. We shouldn't take away from the commands of God, nor should we try to bend the rules or make our own by taking away the bits we don't like. Don't look at what God says and think, well, I'm all right, thank you, compared to such and such. Don't compare. Don't take away what he asks. We need to be obedient and we need to play our part. The question is, are we? Are we playing our part? Are we being obedient to God's call? Are we doing what God asks to love him and to love others? It's that simple. That simple. The second thing, we're going to look at Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read it from the message. If Corey's going to be quick enough to put him up, I didn't tell him. I'm I'm just testing him and Tim this morning. Luke chapter 19, verses 12 to 27 says this. Jesus tells this story. There was once a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to headquarters to get authorization for his rule and then return. But first, he called 10 servants together. He gave them each a sum of money and instructed them, operate with this until I return. But the citizens there hated him. So they sent a commission with a signed petition to oppose his rule that said, We don't want this man to rule. When he came back, bringing the authorization of his rule, he called those 10 servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. The first one said this, Master, I doubled your money. He said, good servant, great work. Because you've been trustworthy in this small job, I'm making you governor of 10 towns. The second said, Master, I made a 50% profit on your money. He said, I'm putting you in charge of five towns. The next servant said, Master, here's your money, safe and sound. I kept it hidden in the cellar. To tell you the truth, I was a little afraid and I know you have high standards and hate sloppiness and don't suffer fools gladly. He said, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly and you have acted the fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money in securities so I could have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. They said, but master, he already has double. And he said, that's what I mean. Risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of or play it safe and end up holding the bag. As for these enemies of mine who petitioned against my rule, clear them out of here. 
I don't want to see their faces around here again. Some harsh words at the end, but a warning. A warning of taking away. We don't always heed warnings, do we? I'm sure the people who are watching this morning, you can think of things you've been warned about that you've just ignored, that you've just gone ahead and done. If I warn a child not to open a certain box in a room, you can guarantee if I went out of the room, most of those children would open the box. If I said to you this morning, don't say the word elephant to me ever or else, I will guarantee that before this morning is finished, somebody will say the word elephant to me just to find out what it means, just to test what's going to happen. Because we're curious. We want to find out the what if. We don't like a warning without a reason. But curiosity killed the cat, if you find the same. There are warning signs all over the world, aren't there? There are warning signs on our road saying slow or please drive slowly through our village. They don't add or else we'll get you because that would be quite threatening and you might take your foot off the gas. But I have seen some signs that really will put you off. There was one sign on a park gate where there was some building work going on and it said on this sign, please do not enter the dangerous area beyond this gate. They could have left it at that. Please do not enter the dangerous area beyond this gate. But it then went on to say, you quite possibly will get hurt, then you will sue, then a long court battle will happen, exhausting all your finances, and you will lose because this sign that warned you will be Exhibit 1. That is a good warning because not only does it say, don't do this, it says, this is why you're not to do it. Because if you do, this will happen. Or in a shop, I think we should put this one up in church, actually. There's one in a shop that says, unattended children will be given an energy drink, skittles, and taught to say offensive words. That might mean, keep your eye on your children. But actually, it says something, doesn't it? That actually, come on, guys. There's got to be consequences if you don't. I can remember at junior school, there was a lad in my class who was fascinated by machines. Once he took his watch apart, he had quite an expensive watch, and he took it apart and he managed to put it back together again. He was fascinated. And his mum said to him, you mustn't keep doing it because one day you might take it apart and not be able to fix it. So he went and took her washing machine to pieces and he took it into parts. He unscrewed bits. He took things out. And she came back and found this, this stuff in the utility in the laundry room all over the place. He dismantled bits of it. And actually he did manage to put it together again. Amazingly. But he didn't listen to the warning. What would have happened if he couldn't do that? It would have cost. It probably would have upset. It probably would have hurt. We have to listen to the warnings. Jesus, in this passage that we've just read, had just encountered Zacchaeus, who we'll talk about a little bit in, the late, in, few, in a few weeks. Zacchaeus is changed, shows transformation with incredible generosity. And then Jesus tells a parable to illustrate what we lose when we don't listen to the warning and what we lose when we don't invest wisely. Maybe you've heard the phrase, and I've used it myself this morning in a conversation, he has so much potential. Maybe you've been told you have so much potential. But potential has to be realised. You have to do something to do it. Maybe you've said, look at what could have been. 
or bullseye. Look at what you could have won. Look at what could have been. Look at what could have happened. Jesus in this parable is saying, we can fulfill our potential in Christ. Or it might be taken away from us if we don't heed the warning and be obedient. Here's a simple way of putting it. Use it or lose it. Maybe that's one way to remember it. Jesus is saying you need to use things or you might lose things. Use things that are good. We're called, this morning, you and I are called to invest ourselves and what we have in God's kingdom. To put to work the gifts he's given to us. To put to work the the, the finances he gives to us. The stuff that we have. To be generous and to use what he's given us for his glory. That's his command. We've already said we need to be obedient. And if we love him, we'll do it. Jesus was obedient to death. Some of us struggle to be obedient to even get to church on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Some of us struggle with that. Imagine you had a bank account and every single day you wake up and you find that there's £86,400 in that bank account. You've been told you can spend the money however you like, however you want. But at the end of the day, whatever's left goes. At the end of the day, whatever's left, you don't get to use. What would you do? You'd you'd pay off your mortgage. You'd spend that money. You would make sure you did as much as you could with that money, wouldn't you? You would make sure you put it to good use. You might have heard this before, but this is true of you every day because every day is filled with 86,400 seconds. Some of those seconds we need to invest in sleep so that we are well enough to do things. But actually, we can never get those seconds back again. At the end of the day, they're gone. Use them or lose them. At the end of the day, they're lost. But so many people think God is a waste of time. So they spend those seconds on things that ultimately will not matter and will not fulfill and will not satisfy. So many of us Christians do love God, but we will spend those seconds on things that don't matter, that will not fulfill and that will not satisfy. Or maybe... You've grown up with an image of God as a strict, angry, disciplinarian parent. And you don't want to spend any seconds on him. Maybe you just run away from the idea. Maybe today we need to start by saying, God, I am going to invest my 86,400 seconds to glorify you. To glorify you before it all gets taken away from me. Because we don't know how many days we've got of 86,400 seconds to invest. We don't know how many days we can invest that thing. These servants in the parable that Jesus told didn't even like the master, some of them. They were scared. They didn't want him to rule. But they lost out. They lost out. They had the little they'd hidden taken away. They didn't use it wisely. And as a result, what they did have was taken away. It was taken away and given to those that did have, that were faithful. Those that were faithful were encouraged as good. Those that didn't bother, they lost it. It was taken away. There's the warning. Faithfulness, here's a promise. Faithfulness on the little things will bring huge returns in God's kingdom. It won't be subtracted, but it will be added to. Faithfulness in the little things will reap huge returns. 
So what we say in this morning is be obedient and don't try to take away from what God wants. You know what God wants. Love him, love others. We've said it before. Love him, love others. Simple. Not always easy to do. Simple to remember. Second thing, don't listen to the warning of Jesus and realize that we need to invest our time and everything we have wisely. That if we don't use it, then we could end up losing it. There's a verse, isn't there? What, is it, what should a man gain if he, if he forfeits his life? And Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. The third thing this morning, finally, John the Baptist told us the ultimate subtraction or takeaway. This is the ultimate takeaway. It's not uh, dominoes, okay? It's not uh, the rose garden. That's a Chinese, I think that's where, uh, no, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 29 says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the best takeaway there is. It's available to all. It's not a Saturday night takeaway. It's not a chippy tea. It's not a Thai, an Indian, a Chinese, a pizza, or whatever else you like, Mexican, but lamb. The lamb of God. The lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was shown here as the one that was going to become the sacrifice for all. Once for all. To pay the price for all sin. The sin that's been committed and the sin that's going to be committed. To take away the sin of the world. That means all our pride, all our shame, all our sin, all our past and our future mistakes. Taken away and placed on him. You know, in biblical times in the Old Testament when it was all about sacrificing lambs for their sin, as they sacrificed that lamb, they would look it squarely in its eyes. To, to show their, their, their sadness, if you like. To show that it wasn't as simple as just killing a lamb. They had to look at the lamb as it took the punishment for their sin. Jesus, John the Baptist says, look, this morning, be obedient. This morning, heed the warning. And this morning, look. Look to the lamb. Because the promise is, he will take away the sin of the world. I'm going to give you an example that's a bit radical this morning and I'm not having a Britney Spears meltdown, okay? Because I know there are people who watch uh, and come to church who struggle with that thing, but what if I'm not forgiven? Jesus isn't like a hairdresser, okay? He doesn't get the clippers out and say, oh, I'll give you a trim this month, come back in a month's time and I'll trim the same thing over and over again. If I trim my hair, which I do, okay, it removes bits. Now you might say, Johnny, there's nothing there. I don't know if you can still hear me over the buzz. I've not turned into some weirdo. Jake did offer me his head to shave. But can you see already, there's a bit gone. Can you see it's gone? There's a bit gone, yeah? And actually, I don't just use this clipper, I use this one. I use this one and it sort of polishes this one and I go like that with it. And it buffs it up so it's nice and shiny, okay? Everybody thinks Johnny's lost the plot now. It's all right. I could spend all morning, well, five minutes, 
doing that all over my head so that it's totally clear. And now I've probably got a massive, I've like my dad, got a big ball patch down there and the bits at the side now. But actually, in about a week's time, that will grow back. That isn't how Jesus works. Jesus says, I've taken away the sin. I've not just trimmed it so you can't see it. I've not left the roots in there so that in a few months' time it grows back. The problem is we go and get a hair transplant in the meantime. We let Jesus deal with it. We let Jesus take it all away and remove it like laser removal. And then we go and get a hair transplant and start putting the seeds back in. That's the issue. This morning, there's three things in these passages about take away. And that's this. He will take away the sin of the world. Once for all. He even says, his, your sin is as far as the east is from the west. It's not coming back. He can deal with it once for all. We've just got to stop going back and putting the seeds back in. Or putting a weave back in. Or putting little bits back there to see whether we look better. Because it comes back to those first two bits. We've got to be obedient to love God and love others. And we've got to heed the warning to use and invest our time with him. If we do those two things, then the third thing, he takes away. I would love it if I could have my hair done now and it never grew back again. I hate shaving. I hate it when it grows back around the sides. I really don't like it. And now I've done that now, Ros will have to finish it off when I get home because I'll look stupid otherwise. You might say it doesn't look any different, Johnny. But I know somewhere there's a bit of hair on the floor. Look, look, there's some hair on the floor, okay? Jesus takes it away. He takes it away and kills it at the root. We've just got to go back to being obedient. Heed the warning and invest our time wisely. So don't take away what God is calling you to do and to be. Listen to the warning that if we don't invest our time, our gifts, our finances wisely, then we might lose those things or the opportunities to use them. Potential remains potential unless it's acted on. Finally, know this. Look to Jesus. Why? Because he takes away the sin. He can take away the hurt in your life. He can take away the baggage of unforgiven sins and unforgiveness that we carry around in our lives. He can take away the stuff that drags us down and keeps us feeling distant from God. Jesus is the greatest takeaway. The Lamb of God, the perfect and spotless one that can unblock our hearts and that can remove the fear of stepping into the future with him. Yes, it's not always going to be easy, but it always will be worth it. This morning, will we allow him to take away our sin? Will we allow him to take it away and we won't return to it? Will we allow him to get rid of it once for all and we're going to be obedient and we're going to be investors of our time? 86,400 seconds you have today. How are you going to spend them? Spend them with the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning that we can know forgiveness. We don't have to worry that the things that we have already given to you will come back 
and cause a rift. But Father God, we can know you have taken away all our sin, that you have put it as far as the east is from the west, that you have cast it behind your back, or as Corrie ten Boom says, that you've thrown it in the sea and put up a sign that says no fishing. Father God, I pray this morning that we will all heed the warning that we need to invest in your kingdom, that we need to use our time for your glory, that we need to use our resources for your glory, and that we need to be obedient to your truth. Father God, give us the strength to love you, but also give us the strength to love others. Father God, I know this week for many has been a hard one. I know personally it's been hard and sometimes it's been hard to love others. But Father God, you show us what love is. And Father, this morning, may we know your truth and stand on your promise and listen to the warning. In Jesus' name, amen.